بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبته أجمعين رب شرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقرة تام اللساني يفقه قولي We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, upon his family, his companions, and those who follow them until the end of time. Uh, just one second here. Yes, this is what I'm looking for. I hope everybody, inshallah, is doing wonderful. Uh, ask Allah subhanahu wa to bless each and every one of you, increase you. It's great to see everyone here worldwide. We are kind of like, um, let me try to center myself a little better as well. I think that's better, inshallah, on Instagram. So we're actually trying out this new software that Instagram rolled out for us, and we want to say thank you to them, uh, which allows us to broadcast not only on Instagram, but all over uh, our social media outlets, inshallah, alhamdulillah, rabbil alamin. So welcome, everybody. And again, I hope everyone is having an amazing Ramadan, a transformative Ramadan. Many du'as and, and warm regards to you. Uh, and your your family, inshallah ta'ala. And we're reading now from this important text by Imam Ibn Abi Dunya that talks about building the capacity to have good thoughts and good assumptions with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I really encourage everyone to listen to the first part of this series from the other night, yesterday, where I talk about some of the foundations of theology that really helps us to locate ourselves as being those who have good assumptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're reading now this collection of hadith and we reached to the 11th hadith, as well as narrations from the righteous Muslims, the early Muslims. And Imam Ibn, Ibn Abi Dunya, he relates from Khalaf Ibn Tayyim, who narrates that he asked Ali Ibn Bakkar, what is ma husnu dhan billah? How do you how do you have a good assumption of Allah? And he said to him something really interesting. He said, "La yajma'uka wal fujara fi darin wahida." This could have a number of meanings. The first is, and a very important sign that if I want to know if I should have a good assumption with Allah, then let me see how I'm living. Let me take account of myself. Imam Madik, he said that the sign that you're guided is you act guided, more or less the meaning. So the sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with me is if I'm living foul, then obviously I need to take account of myself. But if I am living a life of goodness, and I'm surrounded by people, alhamdulillah, a religious safety net that strengthens my iman and strengthens my worship. And this is by my choice. This is a sign, alhamdulillah, that I should have a good hope in Allah. Now, of course, there are times when we're tested with family members that we can't escape with, with, from. There are times that we may be tested with colleagues or fellow classmates or fellow co-workers that are bad people. But what he's talking about here is in moments that I have the ability to choose, 
that I do not find myself hanging out with the wrong crowd. That I do not find myself choosing disobedience. And in that moment, if I find that Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me to choose what's right and to try my best to set up my life in a way where I'm surrounded by the righteous, then I should have hope in Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullaha wa kunu ma'a sadiqeen. O you who believe, be dutiful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be with the people of piety. Be with the people of obedience. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, his companions, they ask him, ayyuhu jurasa'ina khayr. They asked the Prophet ﷺ, what are the best, best people to be around, the best gatherings to be around, the best people to sit with? And he said, and this is a good hadith, ﷺ, those who when they see, when you see them, they remind you of Allah. And when they speak, they increase your knowledge. And when they act, they remind you of the hereafter. So that's the first meaning of this, this statement of Ali ibn Bakkar. That you're not going to find yourself surrounded by bad people because bad people, unless, and here he means by choice, right? I've chosen to be around these people, not by the outcomes of circumstance. That's different then that's a sign that, you know, my life is not really headed in the right direction. The other meaning, and this is actually more profound, is that if I'm living right, I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّ الْأَبْرَارَ لَفِي نَعِيمٍ وَإِنَّ الْفُجَّارَ لَفِي جَحِيمٍ That the people who have lived righteous lives will be in Jannah. And the people who have rebelled against Allah will be in hell. So what that means is if you're doing your best and you're struggling and I'm struggling to be obedient to Allah. And even if we make mistakes, but in our heart, we're doing our best. Then subhanAllah, don't worry. Allah will never put the sinner and the righteous person together. So in, in, in heaven, if you are a person of, of obedience, that's where you'll be. And the people of disobedience, they'll be in hell. So have hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never wrong you. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you do even an Adam's weight of good, that may take you to the rahmah of Allah. And that's actually the meaning of Ali ibn Bakkar. That you should have hope that Allah will never bring together the sinners and the righteous. So if you are struggling to live a righteous life, then don't worry because your abode, their abode is Jannah, subhanAllah. As I explained earlier, one interpretation is that it applies to this life, but the stronger interpretation, mashallah, and, and that's a wonderful question, is that it's talking about in the hereafter. Like, how do you, how do you maintain hope? Like maybe the world around you, everything is bad. Maybe you have bad people around you that you didn't choose to be around. And so you start to feel like I'm losing my hope in Allah. 
So what Ali ibn Bakkar is saying is, if you are living good in this world, then don't worry because you will not be with the sinful in the hereafter by the mercy of Allah. In other words, stay down. Don't let the world throw you off. And sometimes it's hard. It can even be our own family members, man. Sometimes it can be, be people that are extremely close to us, that we have no choice but to be around. In that, in that moment, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we have been commanded to stay upright. I'm not answering questions here, by the way. And, and, and these, that question that you're asking, there's books written about this. I encourage you to read it there, alhamdulillah. But this is a lecture. This is a class that we're focusing on certain topics. So I appreciate, I love that people have these amazing questions. But you can ask questions, alhamdulillah, in the question section on the story. And wallahi, brothers and sisters, some people, they get upset at me. It's almost a thousand questions a day. And probably a large percentage of them, I don't know the answers to. So I only answer what I know. And then, of course, I'm only like one person, subhanAllah. So please don't take it personal, you know, if I don't get to your questions, if I don't get to your questions. So please forgive me, alhamdulillah. So that's the first statement, the 11th narration that uh, Ali ibn Bakkar was asked by Kharaf ibn Tayyim, ma husnu ghan How do you, what is having hope in Allah? La yajma'uka wal fujara fi darin wahid. Don't worry. If you live a righteous life, whatever's going on around you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to unite you with the evildoers in the hereafter. So just don't worry about them. And sometimes that's what Islamophobia tries to do. It tries to make us feel that it's the world against us. And they try to put pressure, that they try to make us conform to their ideas and their understandings. And they try to condition us but when we know we're on the haq, alhamdulillah, in the hereafter, what did Sayyidina Yusuf say? He said, what, in, the, in this life and in the next, unite me with the righteous. Unite me with the people of taqwa. Subhanallah. The next narration, narration number 12, is from Ibn Awana. Ibn Awana was from the early Muslims, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. And Ibn Awana, he says that he saw a man at Arafah. And Arafah, of course, those of us who have been there, mashallah, it's an incredible experience, man, to go on Hajj, you know, and to be in Arafah. And we know that Arafah is called Qiyamat Tussughra, the minor day of judgment. Arafah is meant to remind us of the day of judgment. Because the day of judgment is Qiyamatul Kubra, the major standing. And Arafah, that's why we wear just the ihram and we don't have any scent or anything. We have nothing to make us comfortable, to remind us of what it's going to be like on the day of Hashar, when the sun is above our head. Subhanallah. May Allah uh, make it easy for you, inshallah, to go, inshallah. So the next narration, Ibn Awana, he says that he saw a man at Arafah. And that man was making dua. Listen to his dua, man. He says, Allahumma la tu'adhibna binari ba'da an askanta tawheedaka qulubana. Allahu Akbar. La tu'adhibna 
بالنار بعد أن أسكنت توحيد توحيدك في قلوبنا أو توحيدك قلوبنا that he heard this person making this dua that said oh Allah don't punish us with fire after you settled tawheed in our hearts because we know that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he mentioned that there are incredible benefits to the people who say la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah and one of them, those who sincerely say it, is that they will be, inshallah, protected from, or even if they are in the hellfire, will be taken out of the hellfire. So he said, لا تعذبنا بالنار بعد أن أسكنت توحيدك قلوبنا. This man was saying. قال ثم بكى. And then Ibn Awana says, then the man, he began to weep. It's understood to be with ikhlas. So whenever we say that the Muslims should say La ilaha illallah, or whenever a Muslim says La ilaha illallah, you don't have to, 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 to assume that they don't have ikhlas. The right of the Muslim upon us is that we have a husnul dhan with the Muslimin. And the reason that we have a good assumption with the Muslimin is because the one who loves and has guided the Muslimin is Allah. And this is very important. Good assumptions with Allah leads to good assumptions with the Ummah of the Prophet Subhanallah, this is very important. So of course we understood it. And this is a beautiful reminder. May Allah reward you. That is being said sincerely. And alhamdulillah, anyone who says La ilaha illallah, the, the Sayyidina Muhammad said, كما رواه مصم دخل الجنة ومن مات وهو يعلم أنه لا إله إلا الله دخل الجنة. And so he says, after he said this, he began to cry. And then the man, he said, and whatever has been done, O Allah, in rebellion against you, handle it with your grace. Subhanallah. Handle it with your mercy. Then he continued to cry. And then he said, Oh Allah, don't, don't, don't punish us after you gave us Tawheed. Wallahi, we have the na'mah of Tawheed. So please don't punish us. There's a narration, the heart that says, La ilaha illallah will not be burned by the fire. Thumma baka, then he began to weep. And then after that he said, and whatever has been done in disobedience to you, handle it with your mercy. Because if you don't, if you are not merciful to our sins, then we are going to be united with those people that we used to dislike for your sake. Meaning we're going to be with the disbelievers in the hellfire. So what do we learn, mashallah, from this hadith? The power of tawheed. La ilaha illallah. 
Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith of Abu Dhar radiyallahu anhu and Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told them that whoever says la ilaha illallah will go to paradise. Sayyidina Abu Dhar, he said, even if they steal, he said, even if they steal, even if they commit zina, even if they commit adultery, even if they murdered, even if they murdered. And then Sayyidina Abu Dhar, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to go tell everybody. And the Prophet, because he knew, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his people, he said, don't tell them, because if you tell them, they become lazy. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Was Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu, when he was on the donkey with the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said to him, Do you know the right of Allah upon his servants? He said, no. He said that they worship him and they don't make shirk. And then Sayyidina Mu'adh, a little bit later, the Prophet said to him, Do you know the rights of the servants of Allah if they do that? He said, no. He said, He won't punish them. The 13th hadith is from Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. And for those of us who embraced Al-Islam, you should read the story of Abu Huraira and his mother. Because we know that Abu Huraira, he came from Yemen, subhanAllah, from Aus. And we ask Allah to bless and protect the brothers and sisters in Al-Yemen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adhum ala ma kanu alayhi qabala hadihi al-fitan yan. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his mom didn't become Muslim for a while. And subhanAllah, his, his mom, subhanAllah, she, she was harsh on him. And he became distraught about his mother. And one day she, she became extremely harsh on him. And he left. He was angry. He, he left his home. And he went to the masjid. And he saw Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he was upset. And the Prophet noticed he was upset. And subhanAllah, the Prophet made dua for his mom. And when Sayyiduna Abu Huraira, he went home, his mother was Muslim. Subhanallah. فَهَذَا هُوَ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ He said that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, سَبَقَتْ رَحْمَةِ غَدَبِي سَبَقَتْ رَحْمَةِ غَدَبِي that my mercy supersedes my anger. This hadith is related by Imam al-Bukhari. Now let me look into my life as a husband. Does my mercy come before my anger? Let me look at myself as a father to my children. Does my mercy come before my anger? Let me look at myself as a teacher in the university and in my madrasa. Does my mercy come before my anger? Let me look at myself as a son to my parents and a brother to my brother. Does my mercy come before my anger? Let me look at myself as a student of online teachers and people that I learn from online or people even that I don't agree with. Does my mercy come before my anger? If I'm not merciful, how can I expect mercy? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
He said, Sabaqat rahmati ghadabi. My mercy supersedes my anger. If Allah, the default of his relationship with us is rahmah, and the default of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and how he treats people is rahmah, what is my default? Am I angry all the time at people? The whole world is against me. I'm always upset. I'm always complaining. Or am I trying to think about if I want to align with religious morality and religious values, my default should be rahmah. Think about it. That's why subhanAllah in Sultan Kafiru, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he commands the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa The word qul actually is a command. You must say, O kafir. Ahlan ya mahdi. Why? Man, Instagram blown up, man. Why? Because the Prophet sallallahu even those people are kuffar. He's a kind person. He doesn't use this kind of language. So Allah has to command him, قُلْ يَا مُحَمَّدْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرِ Because the default of the Prophet ﷺ is kindness. That's not how Muslims, we treat each other that way. سَبَقَتْ سَبَقَ غَضَبُنَا رَحْمَتَنَا Our anger supersedes our wrath. Our wrath supersedes our rahmah. So ask ourselves, how do we treat Muslims? Sometimes people, they don't agree with me on the Q&A. It's okay, you don't agree with me. But then they write posts, they write messages to me. Wallahi, I, I start to wonder, am I Muslim? And it's the way, the way that you talk about something, and most of those answers, there's going to be different opinions, akhi, of the fuqaha. Take it easy, man. In Ramadan, yeah, maybe the reason the Ummah is in such bad shape because we don't love each other. We don't know how to talk with each other. We don't know how to treat each other. We take a Muslim for granted. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, The best Muslim is the one who other Muslims are safe from his or her tongue. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We're always worried about the kuffar, but we never worry about ourselves. We always worry about other people treating us, but we didn't see how we treat each other. Allah says, Allah will not change people until they change what's in themselves. So maybe I can start with this hadith. And I can realign my life in this month of Ramadan as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a brother, as a teacher, talking to myself. And let me reorient my priorities and make my rahmah first and my anger second. And the cynicism and anger, and we're going to talk about this later on in these discussions, is largely rooted in a monoculture, mono-modernity, which is strictly based on consumption and what you have achieved financially. 
And it continues through Instagram and TV and movies to present unrealistic expectations of wealth and wealth within this world actually is synonymous with this system as success and happiness to the masses so that we're always unhappy. So I'm not happy that I prayed Fajr. I'm not happy that I prayed Asr. The Prophet said, whoever missed Asr is like someone who went bankrupt. But, do, but, but I'm angry if I didn't see the latest show. I got the latest cosmetics. I, my outfit for Eid doesn't look like such and such person. My This and this. But what makes me happy and what makes me angry is largely going to be the symptom of how much I am infected by the unrealistic brutality of secular society that continues to force down the people's throat that you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain color, you have to speak a certain language, you have to drive a certain car, you have to live in a certain neighborhood for you to have intrinsic value. And that's the great contradiction of the secular world, that it creates intrinsic value with things which are not intrinsic to us. SubhanAllah. And it tries to force that on us. And that's why people become, SubhanAllah, so angry because it's beyond their control. Whereas religion forces us and compels us to think and accept the fact that our value is what Allah has commanded us to do and us being able to do it. Wallahi, if we knew when we go into our grave, the value of one Fajr, one SubhanAllah, one Alhamdulillah, one of those things we may be taking for granted, one second from the day of Ramadan, we want it back. Sayyidina Imam Ali, Karramallahu Wajah. One time he was with his students and they were passing by the graveyards. And he said to them, if those people in the grave could speak, you know what they would say to you? They said, no. He said, they would tell you to fear Allah. Another narration, he said, they would say to you that we would give everything we earned in dunya for two rakah. Now we shouldn't go to an extreme, delete our apps and get rid of our phone. No, we should learn to be disciplined people. We should live a life of nothing can control us. If we keep our eyes on Jannah. Khalas. So let me look at my life now. Does my mercy supersede my anger? The mercy I have for myself. The next hadith, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, is from Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah, Hakim Afwan Hakim ibn Jabir, who narrates that Sayyidina Ibrahim, alayhi salatu salam, he used to make this dua. Allahumma la tushmit man kana yushriku bik biman kana la yushriku bik. Subhanallah. Sayyidina Ibrahim used to say, Oh Allah, don't please the idolaters at the punishment of those who worship you alone. Oh Allah, 
do not bring joy to the idolaters at the punishment of those you worship alone, meaning don't punish us. We know the only prophet, the only prophet who knows he will not be punished is Sayyidina Muhammad All of the other prophets, they didn't know that. That's why in the long hadith in Bukhari, when those people will come to all of the prophets and ask them for intercession, they will say, I did this, I did this, I did, I did this, I did this, I did this. But when they come to Sayyidina Muhammad and they ask the Prophet for Shafa'atul Kubra, the great intersection, Sayyidina Muhammad will say, Ana laha, that's my job. Because he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah has forgiven him of all his sins. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyidina Ibrahim, he didn't know that. So he said, Allahumma la tushmit man kana yushriku bik biman kana la yushriku bik. Oh Allah, do not bring happiness to the idolaters by punishing those who are not idolaters with them. Subhanallah. The next hadith is from Sayyidina Abu Hafs, who is talking about Umar ibn Dar. Umar ibn Dar was one of the famous earlier Muslims. Who subhanallah, when he would recite the verse in the Quran, in the 16th chapter of the Quran, verse number 38. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they say we swear by Allah, our most solemn oath. He's talking about the hypocrites that Allah will not resurrect the dead. That's the statement of the kuffar. They used to swear with all their might, Allah will never resurrect the dead. That's the kuffar. Sidna Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he said, وَنَحْنُ نُقْسِمُ بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِنَا لَيَبْعَثَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَمُوتِ He says, we, as believers, we swear by all of our might that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will indeed resurrect those who have died. Again, for people asking questions in the comments, you want to kind of think of this like a classroom. Like, would you just blurt out this kind of question in a classroom? You wouldn't. So for me, it's very important that we listen and then we can comment about what we hear. We can react to it. And then afterwards, we can ask questions. But we want to think about one of the adab, actually, I think now of seeking knowledge within the age of Instagram is, is to stay focused on what's being taught. And then at the end, if you have any questions, you can send them to the Q&A, uh, alhamdulillah. We have an available for you, or inshallah, we'll try to take time for you. But let's try to stay focused and make sure we're listening. One of my teachers, I used to write everything he said. SubhanAllah. It was very merciful to me. I was very young. I used to write everything he said. And then he said to me, why do you write everything you say? And I said, I write everything I say so I can know what you said. And he said, but if I'm saying to it, if I'm saying it to you now, why do you need to know it again? You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying it now, like you, you're paying more attention to the writing than to listen to me. No, we don't need to turn off the comments because mashallah, people, they want to react and share and we're a beautiful community and a beautiful ummah. But just, you know, sometimes we need to also create a little 
classroom management, classroom management. Mashallah, Instagram's blowing up tonight. Wow, it's great to see you guys. Much love to you. Super proud of everybody. The questions that you guys are sending, man. This year, I'm really trying to answer questions that have never been answered before. And subhanAllah, they, they, they're good questions. We, we are good ummah, beautiful ummah, mashallah. So Umar ibn Dar, he said, that we believe Allah SWT is going to resurrect the dead. They believe that Allah is not going to resurrect the dead. And so then he said, MashaAllah, oh Allah, oh Allah, don't join us together with them. Oh Allah, don't, don't join us together with them. That's okay, brother. If you have ADHD, man, you ask any questions you want to ask. You comment any comment you want to make. I have ADHD, man. So I know, I know how it is. And we love you, bro. Don't even worry about it. Feel free. Don't worry. I, I want you to be here and want you to know we love you, man. So don't worry about it. Alhamdulillah. Just be you. Enjoy. So Abu Dhar, he said, those those disbelievers who say Allah will never resurrect the dead, but we we say you will resurrect the dead. Oh Allah, don't don't put us with them. Our belief is different. And then he began to weep because of his hope and the sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had guided him away from the actions of the people of hell. The next narration we want to finish quickly because of time, Mansur ibn Ujaj. Again, narrating on Umar ibn Dar. Listen to this statement. Umar ibn Dar, he said, Inna li fi rabbi jalla wa'azza amalayin. He said that, I'm not, alhamdulillah, I'm not angry at all, man. You need to, need to chill, man. Focus on yourself, bro. So Sayyidina Umar ibn Dar, he said very beautifully that with my Lord, I have two, two hopes, two hopes. Amalan an la yu'adhibani binnar. The first hope is that Allah will not punish me in the fire. Fi'in adhabani, and if he punishes me, my second hope, la yukhalidni fiha ma'aman ashrak bihi. And my second hope is that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he punishes me, that he does not leave me there with those who have associated partners with him. So he said very beautifully and very nicely, Rabbi Azza wa Jalla amale. I have, mashaAllah, I, I have two hope with Allah. Everyone should stop right now and you can share it in the comments. What is your hope with Allah? Just like one, he had two. My hope is that my children will be from Ahl Jannah. That's my hope. So I shared mine. What is your hope with Allah tonight? As you hear the statement, you know, of Abu Dar, Inna li fi Rabbi Jalla wa Azza amale. I have two hopes with Allah. Forgiveness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you forgiveness, inshallah. Rida. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people of contentment. One of my teachers, he was blind, you know, Sheikh Ali Saleh, he was, he was blind. 
He used to tell me, Ridaullah Jannatul Mu'min fi dunya. He used to say to me that Rida of Allah is Jannah in this world. Like to have Rida, to be content with Allah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you Rida. Someone said the same as me. To save me from the grave, Ya Allah. Allahumma, Allahumma hafadna min athab al-qabr. Ask Allah to save us from the punishment of the raven. All we have to do is read Surah Al-Mulk, Alhamdulillah, to see Allah. Ya Allah. Allahumma akrimna bi ru'yatik, Ya Rabbal Alameen. May Allah honor us to see Him. That He will save me from the hellfire and I will love with all my loved ones in Jannah. Ameen. To receive every drop of Allah's mercy. Ya Allah. Jannah for me and my family. So many people wrote forgiveness, tranquility, sabr, focus. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. It's incredible. All this, these hopeful people. How can anyone think the Ummah of the Prophet is not on goodness? Look at these beautiful responses, man. Subhanallah, it's, it's like incredible. Shahada for my mother, Ya Allah. My, my, my brother, Dr. Rasul Miller. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bi asma'ihi kulliha wa sifati al-ula an yahdi ummah Dr. Rasul Miller insha'Allah ummahu insha'Allah Ask Allah to guide your mother to guide my father insha'Allah ya Rabb and all of the brothers and sisters who have embraced Islam or have family members who are not Muslim whether they have embraced Islam or not may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide them insha'Allah the next narration, the 17th narration, Wabil Isnad from Sayyidina Al Bajli. He narrates again Umar ibn Dar was on Hajj. And people, they saw Umar ibn Dar, who was a famous person, you know. I heard from my teacher from Senegal when Sheikh Ibrahim Nias, Rahimahullah, when he went to Hajj. He told me the whole Hajj almost shut down. So many people went to meet him and he led the Hajj. He was from Senegal. But mashallah, because Allah loved him, the people, they loved him. So he was from Senegal and he led the Hajj. Subhanallah, before the disease of nationalism and post-colonial racism and all this nonsense, Eurocentricism and white supremacy came into the hearts of the Muslimin. We used to be a very fluid, simple community. We didn't have this, the complications of shirk related to racial identity. But Sayyidina Umar ibn Dar, when he was on Hajj, the people, they saw him. And they started to go to him and they said to him, make dua. And he said, Allahumma, ارحم قوما لم يزالوا مذ خلقتهم على مثل ما كانت عليه السحرة يوم رحمتهم. He said, Oh Allah, Oh Allah, Oh Allah, have mercy upon. He's talking about the Muslimin people who, from the time you have created them to now, they have been on the maqam. They are on the state of those magicians who saw the haqq when Sayyidina Musa's staff turned 
into a snake. Because to be Muslim is every day to see the miracle of Sayyidina Muhammad The next narration is from Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. As we finish, he says, we were with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi and we came upon some captives and amongst them was a pregnant, a, a, a woman who was just had, it was obvious that she was still breastfeeding. And she was searching frantically for her child. You know, I lost my child in the store before. I've lost my child in the grocery store. Even I lost my child one time at the masjid. I became so scared. Today, my wife, she FaceTimed me from the DNS Center in Washington, D.C. They have such a beautiful iftar over there. And my two-year-old was with her. And immediately, even though it's on FaceTime, I didn't see my two-year-old. I start to get nervous. Where's Ayla? Where's the baby? Can you imagine if we lost our child in a battle? An infant? So Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was with his companions and they saw that woman running and suddenly she found her baby and she began to breastfeed this baby. And she became complacent. She was placated by the fact that she discovered her child. The Sahaba, sitting with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Alayhi Salam, he said to them, do you think that that woman could toss this baby into the fire? They said, wallahi, that's impossible. Even though she could, that's impossible. She would never do that. And the Prophet ﷺ said, wallahi, Allahu arhamu bi'ibadihi min hadihi biwaladiha. Prophet said, Allah is more merciful to his servants than this woman is to this baby. Allah. Subhanallah. Some of us, we're destroying ourselves because we let a sin crush us and break us in half. But we should remember this narration, Allahu arhamu bi'ibadihi min hadihi biwaladiha. Allah is more merciful to his servants than this woman she is with her child. The next hadith is from Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this hadith is related by Bukhari, the last hadith also is Sahih. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الْمُؤْمِنُ مَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنَ الْعُقُوبَةِ مَا طَمَعَ بِجَنَّتِهِ أَحَدٍ that if the believers knew the extent of Allah's punishment in the hereafter, nobody will hope for Jannah. And if, if a disbeliever knew the extent of Allah's mercy, they will never despair of entering Jannah. SubhanAllah, even though they're disbelievers. SubhanAllah, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الْمُؤْمِنِ 
If any of the believers really knew, encompassed Allah's punishment, nobody will hope in Jannah. And if a kafir, a disbeliever, knew the extent of Allah's mercy, none of them will fear hellfire. None of them will despair of that. That they, Allah is so so much mercy, subhanAllah. The last narration for the night as we finish, we come upon our hour, inshaAllah, is a long narration from Abu Ahmed, radiallahu anhu, who mentions that they were on a, a, a mission with the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And here, for those of you in, in worried about environmental justice, listen to this narration. You know, the Quran alludes to environmental ju- ju- justice in different ways. It says, for example, that the heavens and the earth will not cry for Pharaoh and his army. Why? Because Fir'aun and his army, they didn't know how to treat the earth with justice. Subhanallah. Abu Ahmad, he says that the Prophet they were with this man, they were uh, with a group of people, and suddenly one of the companions of the Prophet he came back with a little chick, a small chicken, a chick, yani. And suddenly the Prophet could hear the mother of that chick upset and even chasing the man. And finally, the man, he came to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said to the people, أَتَعْجَبُونَ لِرَحْمَةِ أُمَّ الْفِرَاخِ بِفَرَاخِهَا He said to the people, are you, are you amazed at how merciful this mother is with her chick? وَالَّذِي بَعَثَنِي بِالْحَقِّ اللَّهُ أَرْحَمُ بِعِبَارِهِ مِنْ أُمِّ الْأَفْرَاخِ بِفَرَاخِهَا Prophet said, Allah is more merciful to his servants than this mother is with this chick. And then he ordered this man to put it back. Because Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam huwa rahmatul al-alameen. Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu is a mercy to all things. To everything he was around. To the tree stump, it cried when the Prophet stopped giving its khutbah. When he would hold sand, it would make tasbih sallallahu alayhi wa The trees, they used to send salam to him. The stones in Mecca, all authentic, used to send salawat to him. Assalamu alayka, ayyuha Rasulullah. And now we see the Prophet even with a hen, he's exercising his mercy and teaching us the great mercy of Allah. Inshallah, we're going to stop now. Barakallahu feekum. We've arrived at our one hour. I'm going to try to make it shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, inshallah. This, of course, is not the place to answer questions. Mashallah. We have a place, alhamdulillah, to answer questions. Barakallahu feekum. I'm, I, I love the fact that you're so excited. You want to ask questions. And I know sometimes it's hard to get to everybody's questions. Wallahi, I think today it's around a thousand questions, man. A thousand questions. And subhanallah, I'm only one person, everybody. And my knowledge is limited. So a lot of things I don't know the answers for. My apologies. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in khair. Yes, so Sulu. I don't know how to say your last name, sorry. But as she said, we're trying to get to 500 subscribers at my school. This is how we teach at my school, alhamdulillah. We teach texts like this. 
And we tried to build people's confidence and hope in khair that leads to responsibility. So if you visit suhaibweb.com and maybe Nas, you can type it in the comments box on IG. If someone can visit suhaibweb.com, sign up, mashallah, it's only $9.99 for your whole family. For your whole family, I got you, bro. You know I love you a lot, man. Licensed to zil, licensed to ill, bro. Much love to you, man. And I love the name because you and I know generationally what that name means. Uh, but yeah, if someone can put it in the comments, suhaibweb.com, barakallahu feekum. We'll end with dua. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bi asma'ihi kulliha wa sifat al-ula. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about all of his names and attributes to grant us jannah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us khair. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us with the Prophet We ask Allah to forgive any of our beloved family or friends that have passed away. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us with as-salihin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us iman and to give us patience in dealing with one another and to bring the ummah back to khair. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursali. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Yes, this is recorded and it's every night around 11.30 Eastern time. Alhamdulillah. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaykum.